Chet Czar. Hello, Mike. Oh, again, Chet. How are you? Well, you know, after our pre-roll where we grossed each other out for 17 minutes straight. That was disgusting. I don't want to talk about it again. I'm ready for something other than that. (laughs) Well, you might be able to tell by my deep voice. I keep thinking I sound like the father and the witch. I think you just sound that way to yourself through your own ears because your ears are stuffed up. No. You don't sound that different. My ears aren't stuffed up. Really? Well, Maybe it's not as deep as it. Is I it, think that it might just be some internal head swelling that's causing you to <laughs> hear yourself differently. Oh, it sounds low to me. Your head swollen. Every time jet. I when I ever since swollen. I got ever since I got sick, I wake up in the morning and it's like really deep when I first wake up. You should record some like really creepy bits of price stuff morning. You should like you know what you should do is take your dream journal and then just read it <laughs> with your morning voice. It sounds super <laughs> creepy like a horror movie yeah. introduction. I mean, yeah, that's been a bummer about getting sick too. Is that I completely have been spacing on my dream journal and my meditation and my magic practice because I'm just like, uh, yeah, feeling like shit. <clears throat> but well, you know, you gotta you gotta take time to rest and and uh, have some respite. That's part of the whole neutrality thing, you know, is finding a finding that balance between the two. Yeah, yeah, I pushed it too far once again got sick so well you know when we recorded a week ago i was thinking to myself i was like you know he's sounding like he's pretty at ease with how hard he pushed him i hope he's all right i know the next thing i saw was a message on facebook to somebody on uh, a post about being sick no i saw your patreon post where you said oh sorry i've been sick yeah yeah i found about i found out about it after the fact like everybody else (laughs) and if i wasn't a a patron i wouldn't have even known Good thing I'm a patron, yeah. so I know what's going on. Well, you've been busy. <laughs> you've been busy. You've, we haven't been talking much because you've been. Um, you have all kinds of stuff going on in your life right now. Do have a lot going on. All good, good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. though, right? I'm really happy. I'm right now. I'm feeling really good. I feel like you know things. There's always going to be the struggle. There's always the things, but you know, it's like I've. The, the, I might as well just start talking about fear right away, because it relates to what I I'm about to talk about, and we're talking about fear today, but you know, the whole entire thing of like what I've been going through, it's like inevitably it's going to be what it is. Right. Cause like you do what you can, you know, but then at the end of what you can do, you have to just let it be what it is because it's going to be anyway, you can fight it. So right. you kind of then have that opportunity, like we talked about before, where you can choose how you want to feel about it, you know? And I'm not saying that I wasn't afraid and there wasn't fear involved in that, but it wasn't until I got beyond that fear that I was able to become productive again. Right. You know what I mean? Well, like in the moments of, of being, being shut down from the fear of what was happening, I was in my mammalian mind. I couldn't think I couldn't intellectualize. I couldn't make good decisions, but every time I was able to overcome that, cause it's always that hurdle, that recurring hurdle, you know, I, the more I overcame it, the more I realized, you know, I'm just have to accept this situation, make the best out of it, do everything that I can within my power, show the universe that I'm serious about what I want. And then just, you know, take advantage of the, the opportunities as they're, they're shown to me and not be so unaware and distracted by fear that I don't see those opportunities as they arise. Because in, hold on one sec, in numerous <laughs> instances recently, I wanted to tell you this though, in numerous recent uh, incidents recent, recently, it has been a result that because I've jumped on an, an intuition that I had in a moment, because I was just like, oh, I got a feeling about this, and I followed up on it, that I've gotten myself into such a positive situation. Oh. And if I had not taken advantage of those moments where I had that clarity and was like, no, just do it no matter what. Who cares if you're afraid? Just do the thing. Right. You know, Then I wouldn't have been able to create this opportunity, and they were time-oriented things where like – if it were not for that moment where I did that thing, I would have missed those opportunities. And it, if I was too freaked out and afraid, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even have been able to be aware they were even occurring. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's like a you know, it's fear is like a block, a block for intuition and inspiration. Really, totally. you know. Uh, I just wanted to interject that because <clears throat> I remember when you said this last time, I was like, oh, and I was going to say something about it, and then I forgot. But um, you know, I don't think. I don't think you can always choose how you feel like you can choose to, Oh, I'm afraid. So I'm going to choose to not feel afraid. I don't think that's it. I think it's like you can either choose to act on that feeling or not. And that kind of maybe gets you out of the the fear. 
Like I, you, that's let like, me let me clarify. I don't mean to say that you can always choose. What I mean to say is sometimes is you for, can when it's not what so I, intense. What I'm but. what I'm trying to say is is for myself, I've I've learned a technique where if I can become aware that there's a choice right. about how I feel about something, I then can make that choice. I'm not trying to I, I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to paint with a stroke as broad as that sounded. I'm glad you said something. Because really all I'm saying is is that I found a way through self-awareness to recognize when I am having a reaction that may not be in alignment and that I have an opportunity there to steer the ship a different direction. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, courage is doing, you know, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. That's right. that's what, you know, if there were, that's why that's like a virtue because you don't feel like doing it, but you do it because you know you got to do it, you know? And, and, um, I, I just, I was thinking about fear, um, after I wrote that post fears, inoculate fears, dark, dark art is the inoculation against fear or is an inoculation against fear. Cause I was just thinking about fear and how it relates to dark art. And, um, and then I was just thinking a lot about so much of what you see on social media is coming from a place of fear and panic. You know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it just seems to be like a huge driving force in so, so much of what we do as human beings, like fear is this, you know, one of the main drivers, I think, especially for like large groups of people, um, fear and panic. And, you know, like we were just saying, it's when you, when you give into that fear, it, it uh, it short circuits your, you know, your intuition, your psychic ability, your judgment impairs your judgment on how you can make decisions. You know, that's why I think also meditation is really helpful in alleviating fear and anxiety as well. Because well, and I think also one of the differentiations to make is that you know there is an opportunity to also recognize what are are, are valid fears, useful fears versus you know invalid fears and unnecessary fears because fear itself obviously is a vastly important part of our psyche. You know, if you weren't afraid that you were about to die when you were about to die, you would die, (laughs) you know? So it's like, it's, it's important, but at the same time, what happens, it seems is for most people anyway, from my experience, certainly for myself is that my perception of what I should be afraid of becomes disproportionate to its source. And so there's a certain amount of becoming aware and saying, okay, I'm going to look at this fear I'm having and I'm just going to, you know, think about it for a second. You know, am I really at threat here? Is there really a threat? And what kind mm-hmm. of a threat is that? And does it, you know, does that threat necessitate the level of fear that I'm giving it, you know? And that's kind of for me an internal checks and balances system that I go through because the truth is is that Unless you're able to look at your fear and look at it that way and say, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm like way freaked out right now about something that actually has really no effect over me directly. And so maybe the amount of fear I'm giving it is disproportionate to the amount of fear that it really necessitates versus maybe some other things in our life that we should actually be more fearful of, that we don't give much of our fear attention to at all. I mean, you know, how many times do people out there driving around in their cars they're not thinking about the life and death situation they're in while they're driving in a vehicle at 65, 70 miles an hour. Mm. They're thinking about they're somewhere else in their mind, thinking about what's going on later or what happened before, right? So again, I think that our fear ends up being placed into in, you know, inappropriate categories because we're like, oh my God, I'm so afraid of these politics and what's happening in the world. Sure, but that's not going to kill you this very second. Right now you're driving down the road and you're so preoccupied with that, you might get in a car accident. So again, for me, it's personally about you know looking at that stuff and sorting it out a bit and saying, okay, well, I can differentiate. I can say that this is a fear that I really should put some energy into. And this is a fear that probably I don't need to be putting as much energy into. You know, There's an analytical process that a person can undertake there through self-awareness. Yeah. But I I wonder that you know, fear. I I always see it as like fear was an important um, part of being alive, and we needed it. But it's kind of like I don't know that we need it anymore, because when when you, when you um, are afraid of something, if you are able to do the right thing anyway. Or, and look at it clearly, like by, you know, 
compartmentalizing, setting the fear aside or, or whatever, clearing your head and think, thinking logically about something, then it's not really, I guess it's not the same as fear. It's more like a concern. You know what I mean? And it's not like a panicky, fearful feeling. It's more like, okay, logically, I know that this is not going to work out well for me, so I'm not going to do it rather than, you know, instantly panicking and freaking out. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, let me ask you. Yeah, I do. I totally know what you're saying. But it I seems guess like the fear, the, devil's... The, for the, fear well, the fear part is maybe like if you were being cha- chased by a lion and you needed the adrenaline pump. Sure. But I guess what I'm saying <laughs> is like to play devil's advocate a little bit because I do agree with you. But on the other hand, I think to myself, like there have often been situations where fear, I have become afraid and fear is warranted. And for me, it's a very physical reaction. So for instance, you know, I've been in places at night, particularly in cities where all of a sudden I've been overcome with a feeling of like, dude, I like things are not all right. I'm afraid. I'm genuinely all of a sudden afraid for no reason whatsoever. And I can feel it. It's a Mm. body reaction. Mm. You know what I mean? My autonomic nervous system goes off and in those situations, I have extricated myself from that si- the situation very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what was going to happen, but I can tell you that that fear was warranted and necessary and it motivated me. And so if anything, what fear should be, I think, is a motivating force to push oneself towards safety. Right. I mean, that's what that's that's the function it serves. Even when it's autonomic, you're out in the woods, you're walking around at night, you hear a really loud growl. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I go hiking, I camp, that kind of stuff happens. That same kind of thing can happen in a city, too. Right. And so there are threats around us. There are all kinds of threats. It's a predatory universe. So fear has a place and it is often an autonomic reaction. But it's what you do with that motivation of fear and again, being able to differentiate between the, a social fear versus a physical threat to your life and, and health. Because there are a few of those compared to the ones that we blow up into mountains and make these gigantic edifices that are social and political and dramatic that don't have anything to do with actually whether you're going to live or die, eat today or not, have a place to shit or you know see your loved ones tomorrow. And so, again, there's different types of fear. And I think that there are autonomic fears that are necessary. And I think that there is also this other category, which is more like anxiety. And anxiety is perhaps a branch of fear, but not the same kind of fear that we were just referring to anyhow. Right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but, you know, I'm thinking about a situation that I was in. I mean, if you feel that feeling... I don't know, because to me, it's like when you feel that feeling, that could, it's kind of like an intuitive feeling on, on that level that you had mentioned. It is. It is but intuitive. I, I guess, you know, I always, I, I guess I always <clears throat> equate fear with panic. I'm thinking more like, you know, panicking. Sure. But, and um, panic is more like a reaction to a type of fear. Right, kind of. right. Yeah. Because so, panic is a behavior more. Right, right. But it's that feeling of of you know, not, you know, it's the fight or flight response. Sure. You know, well, and again, it's like, and, and we're men too. And so we also have kind of a thwarted perspective. Cause like I listen, you know, I've, I've, I've watched joy go out by herself a lot and be in social circumstances where she appears to be a single female and her sense of fear is very different than my sense of fear in a lot of environments simply because she's a woman. And so she is you know, there's a greater opportunity for her to become prey than there is for me to become prey. And so her sense of fear is more heightened Mm. often in social circumstances where mine wouldn't be just because I'm bigger, you know what I mean? Mm. And so, and I'm a guy. And so I'm not as easily preyed upon. We live in that uh, kind of imbalanced world. And so again, I think it's a little bit different for us as well as men speaking unto that. But generally, I think for most people, like you said, there is a sense of panic, there's a sense of fear, there's a sense of anxiety, and those are all kind of permutations of the same thing, but they all exhibit themselves very differently. A sense of dread, right, is maybe different than a sense of anxiety, you know? A behavior pattern of panic is going to be different than a decisive move towards safety. Right, right. Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I've never really broken it down like that. It's fun. It's interesting. I haven't really either. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've had that feeling of the, the most fearful feeling I ever had was when, and this is interesting too, because I guess that's 
part of where I get my belief about fear comes from is when I ha- had the um, that guy when I had that first like out of body thing that shadow people man yeah it was hitting me with the pillow yeah it was like uh, just pure dread spiritual terror the most terrifying more terrifying than anything I've ever felt before it was like beyond human dread it felt like in terror and and that that's that comes uh a lot with people that have out of body experiences if you watch that you saw the nightmare right the oh, documentary. Yeah. It, oh yeah they, they talk about that you know a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of those yeah, people it's very talk consistent. about it and, even for me when i talk about my night stuff mm-hmm. it's that same sensation when i'm in that recurring cycle and even though for me it's not in my room it's like in this other kind of parallel plane the feeling that you talk about is all I can relate that to is that feeling that yeah, I have yeah, in that yeah. space. But I, I remember that um, that it, when it was hitting me with that pillow and standing over me, and I couldn't move, the, my voice, like a voice in my head, said, "He can, he can only scare you. He can't hurt you." Mm-hmm. And and it was that was the message of that. You know, it was like it was kind of like and it and it made made me wonder now thinking about it i wonder if um i kind of wonder if that guy was a projection of my lower self and or a projection of my ego and then the voice in my head was kind of like my higher self telling me because it's if that's the case uh, although it did feel autonomous that's the thing that's the weird thing about that is they all feel autonomous but you know, everything's if everything is an illusion and everything's a projection in one of yourself in one way or another. If that's if everything is one, everything is a reflection of everything else, and we are all one. So there's something there to that as well. But um, well, and and even to that to that effect, that would really ultimately what we were you were saying earlier is that fear is totally useless and pointless, and we're beyond it because again, whether we die or not, if right, you, to yeah. take it to that level, it, there is no death because it's we're all just one and we, we're all the thing we already are, and we're just going to be it continuously. Right, so, right. You know, yeah. So then it doesn't. So then that again, it comes back down to the well that it really doesn't serve a purpose if you want to take the really omniscient step out right. kind of you know macro view of it at least insofar as what you and I share. Insofar as our perception of yeah, the way yeah. that things work, the way the, the cosmos, the universe, the everything is, you mm-hmm. know, we share that in common. So it's easy for you and I to talk about it. There would be people that are listening to that to be like, huh, what? You know, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I mean, because, you know, until you have had that death trip enough times to know that, you know, fear is the mind killer, as they say in Dune, right? right. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. I, so anyway, what, what I was saying was, like th- that voice said to me, I and I knew it. I felt it. It can't hurt you. It can only scare you. And that, looking at that more deeply, at the time it was like, oh, there's this spirit, and for some reason he can't hurt me. He can only try and scare the shit out of me. And look, looking at it over my adult life and having other experiences like that with those little kid monsters ran in my house. It's in the documentary. That the same feeling of fear dread um it's like that felt like the the lesson of my life in a way um it's the it's because it's been this recurring theme in my life because when i was a kid i was scared a lot like i was really super shy you know it was weird because i was afraid of i wasn't afraid of doing crazy stuff like you know i used to ride my bike so far i can't believe my mom let me ride that far now that i think about it i used to ride like way across the other part of town with my a couple of my friends no supervision being like 10 years old and times were different back then but still you know that was i used to jump off roofs and you know just climb up god (laughs) i should i should be dead right now after all the crazy stuff i did climb i remember i climbed up a um a cliff I think I told you about this with my friends and oh my God, it was so stupid. I mean, looking down, I, it, we just had to keep climbing up because if, if I would have fallen, I definitely would have died. I mean, it was, I don't even know how high it was, but it was probably, I mean, it was, you know, 20 or 30 feet up, straight up rocks <clears throat> that weren't meant to be climbed. It was just this crazy thing we did. But anyway, um, uh, that's beside the point. 
But um, <clears throat> the point I was getting to was that I was always afraid as a kid, mostly of like other people, really. You know, it's like I wasn't afraid of animals or anything like that. It was always other people, especially like older people and authority figures and stuff like that. <clears throat> but um, also with a, lo a lot of social anxiety and stuff, right? Being afraid to go, being afraid to like go buy something when I was a kid at the store, like being shy about it, it just because it's a man behind the counter. And so that felt like the the kind of like the, the number one theme of my life was about overcoming fear you know that was that's if if you could wrap up my story in a nutshell i think it's overcoming fear and realizing that there's nothing to be afraid of and trying to reach that um reach that point but um it's 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 the same thing that when you have it's it's also the same thing that when you when you have a psychedelic ego death experience, right before you have the ego death experience, you're scared shitless. Usually, your 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 mic's off, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> Thanks. <laughs> sure. And it's and it's and it's very similar to that experience I had, to where it's like there's a voice going for me anyway. The, when I've had those experiences, there's a voice going just relax don't be afraid it can't hurt you you're not gonna die and you get once you get past that then it's like everything opens up for you and it's like you're reborn and you have mm -hmm. this ego death where you're not afraid of anything yeah and if you get stuck in that if you get you know because i've had that experience i've also had the experience of getting stuck in that fear stage right and not being able to get past that fear and not you know just allowing your, myself to go beyond it and that sucks that's horrible oh yeah that's, you know, like that's why people that's how you have a bad trip you know the quickest way to have a bad trip is to fight it mm -hmm. you know you like if you if you're fighting the direction it's going you're going to lose inevitably you're going to suffer because of it you're going to be scared it's not going to be fun you'll be confused but as soon as you just give up, the sooner you just let go and surrender to it, right? You know, and, and you're like, "I'll be fine. It's fine. No big deal. Let's we'll see what happens." Then, it, like you said, all of a sudden it becomes amazing. It's the right. most amazing thing you could and have you ever have no, hoped for. And you have no fear because you realize None. there's nothing to be afraid of at all, nope. anything, nope. because you're God. <laughs> nope. Why would you be afraid if you're God? You know, but you're still everything's but the, God. The, the misnomer there, though, is that that's why people say, "Oh, yeah." Then you do stupid shit like jump out a window, and it's like, no, because once you realize there's nothing to be afraid of, it's not like, "Oh, well, I'm going to do something dumb now." Yeah, exactly. You still know <laughs> you're wearing a human suit, and you still know that there are rules to the human suit game, and you're not going to like do some stupid shit that's going to fuck up your human suit. So it's like. You know, that that's the misnomer and right. that I always hate it when people are like, oh, well, then this. And it's like, no, well, not then that. That's I'm not sure how that it is at all. Actually, if anything, I'm far more clear and prudent in that space right, than I would right. be otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I, you feel I felt in that state like I was truly myself 100% in a way that I'm not in normal circumstances. And I had that also when I started having out-of-bodies, the ones where I didn't have the terrifying fear. Um, I've had ones where there was no way that fear could even come in because it mm -hmm. was like it felt just one of the probably the first big one I had where I was floating around and just like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. Years later, when I tried ecstasy, I was like, hey, when I was 12, this feels exactly like when I was 12 years old floating around my room and I had absolutely no fear and just that was pure love. And right. and I thought that was a, weird. You know, that it felt exactly not a kind of like it. It was exactly the same feeling. Exactly. Well, if you if you think about it, it kind of <clears throat> makes sense, though, because, you know, when we think about our system and what we do, no matter what we take into our system, it, you know, on a chemical level, all we're doing is telling the chemicals that are in our brain already that are stored in the glands to release those chemicals into our body. We're, we're choosing from a very limited Rolodex of chemicals right. most of the time. And so, you know, when you're having an OBE, it's like you're going to get doses of dimethyltryptamine, which are in you. You're going to get doses of oxytocin, which is love. You're going to get doses of serotonin and dopamine you and know, all these chemicals. Yeah. When later, hold on, when later you take something like ecstasy or you take something like acid, like lysergic acid dithalamide, what you're doing, you're not taking this chemical isn't now like doing this to you. All that chemical does is tell your receptor sites to dump serotonin. That's it. It's right, like, oh, hey, right. turn on the serotonin faucet, you know, right. and so it makes getting sense. getting what's already there. That, 
Exactly. So those are why I think from my experience, and I think also scientifically, really, that those similar concoctions of chemicals as they come together in these different flurries are equitable and relatable, you know? Yeah. Whether you create the experience through meditation or you have an experience mm-hmm. through an out-of-body or through taking a chemical or starving yourself or, you know what right, I mean, right. not letting yourself sleep or whatever. There's a lot of ways to do it. Well, now I forgot what I was going to say. Well, you have your notes. Yeah, well, I didn't write that one down. <laughs> what you were talking about was the, how you always thought it was trippy, that you did the ecstasy and you thought it felt like when you were a 12-year-old and you had the out-of-body experience. Right. Oh, okay, right. Um, I felt like when I was having that out-of-body experience, <clears throat> someone told me at the time I took that ecstasy that ecstasy works by shutting off your dopamine receptors it wasn't like it was giving you something as much as it was shutting off the things that keep you low i'm not sure if that's true or not but i remember when i was floating around i felt like i was not i felt like i was my true spirit self and i wasn't being affected by the chemicals in my brain that's what i felt mm-hmm. like you know whether that was a hallucination from a spontaneous dmt manufacturing in my mind or what i felt like Oh, this is what you really are supposed to feel like. This yeah. is without the all the chemicals running in your head. You're just pure spirit, pure awareness. Spi- yeah, aw- conscious awareness that just feels full, of just love a million percent, and this kind of pure spiritual joy, and just feeling like ah, oh, such a relief, such a relief. That's how I felt. There's nothing That's to be afraid of. When I, got, oh. when I did my first. <laughs> out of body that I actually made myself have because all my weird night horror stuff as a kid, I think it's the same variety as out of body. I just think it's a different version of it. But when I first had my first, like what I called an astral projection, that was the feeling. Like I like was, I, I, I was surprised. I was like, Oh my God, this is it. Like this mm-hmm. is the thing. Yeah. Like, right. Wow. This know, is it. <laughs> I'm here. This is it. Yeah. There's no more. And I, and I was looking at my body and I could see it there and I wasn't in it. And it was the same kind of thing as like having a spontaneous one. It wasn't any different. It's just that I right. put myself into a self-hypnotic state in order to get there. Mm-hmm. But it was that same feeling of just like, wow, I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I'm everything. Right. There's no boundaries between me me and things. But yet I still have cohesion still. Right. And like I have like my own my, – my personality is intact and stuff. It was mm-hmm. a trip. Yeah. So any being that that sort of felt like the, the- – freedom. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like pure f- freedom is what it feels like. Um, but be- being that that felt like it, this was my my main th- theme of my life was overcoming fear and what happens when you overcome fear. So I, I basically, you know, my whole career, everything I've done in my life has taken overcoming fear because I was super shy. So going and showing your portfolio to shop, you had to, you had to do it anyway. You're afraid, yep. but you had to do it anyway. Um, having your first art show or going and giving your stuff to a gallery especially art since art is so personal for most most of us artists it's mm-hmm. it's like another level it's kind of the ultimate in a way because you're you know this is me without any restrictions what i think is good my expression of my true self and you're putting it out there to be judged so you have to do that even though you're afraid and so mm-hmm. any of these big leaps i've made in my life have been by having courage and doing it and even though you're afraid and um, so it, anyway, it gets me back to thinking about how fear is this kind of obsolete emotion, because fear to me is something that you need when you can't make logical decisions about things. It's like, you know, it's this part of your brain that's like death, run, jump in the tree, you know, and it's and it's sort of like if 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 you know like like those the trip experiences or the out of body experiences the message there is don't be afraid and just go with it and there's nothing to be afraid of so why mm-hmm. wouldn't that be the case in everyday life because that's the way i see it i see it as those those trip and experiences and out of body experiences are basically metaphors for how you should live your life every day well there's a lot of dangerous things that i do on a regular basis that most people would be afraid to do mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's just that you know even part of the way i live my life most people would be afraid to live their life the way that i do you know what i mean but like you know going out and 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 rock climbing and going hiking in backland areas on steep really steep right. precipices with loose rocks and uh, stuff 
And, I, and again, we get down to semantics because it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're talking about fear, because it's like there are things that I would suggest that a lot of people would be they would opt against. And the reason they would opt against them is truly out of a sense of fear because they don't really want to do that. They're afraid of heights, for right. instance. They're like, that's not cool. Or they're afraid of outdoors. Or but that's, they're yeah, afraid but, that, of but that's, but that's, but that's, not necessarily fear because like i wouldn't do a lot of things that you do you know me we always talk about this stuff there's certain yeah. things that you do i wouldn't do and it's to me it's not because i'm afraid of them it's because i just think they're too risky and i don't want to take a chance of well see this but that happening word, the word risk right there implies fear because for a person to judge risk, most people, and this may not be you because you are also neurodiverse like me, and that's why you and I always like, or we're so close but miss each other too because we're so specific. But, you know, it's like for a lot of people, the reason they judge risk is out of fear. They're, they're fr and a lot of people won't do things simply because they do have, genuinely have a fear of it. Like I had a friend who was claustrophobic. He was genuinely afraid mm -hmm. of closed spaces. You know, he still went into a lava tube with me. You know, but it was like that was a big overcoming of fear. And it was a fruitful one because what did you just say? There was low risk, right? He was with someone who knew what he was doing. He was going into a space. Other people do that. It wasn't like he was going down into a, a, a bottomless tunnel, you know, going down into some tube that no one's explored that might be scary because you might die. Right. Again, we get back to the death word. Right. And so. You know, that wasn't the, there was the fear for him was a disproportionate one. Again, it was it, he couldn't differentiate that phobia from what is legitimate. You know, most right. people would go into a cave and be all right with that. But most people wouldn't go into a cave that's never been explored that goes straight down, you know, nor would I. And so, again, the reason wouldn't for me, again, be out of I'm afraid it would be out of the risk. Well, why is the risk there? Because I don't want to die. So why don't I want to die? Because I'm afraid. So no, it's like no, even no, if no, you no, go no, the no. long I, way yeah, around. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree. Let me. Let me. Explain no, I'm talking why. about me. I'm not talking about yeah, you. I'm no, talking I'm, about me. What I'm saying is, for me, that if I if I were to do something that could potentially kill me, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, I'm afraid to do it. What I'm saying is, is I know there's die. a risk involved in there. The risk is because something bad. Even if I don't die, I could I could hurt myself, and right. something bad could happen, but and that that's could not cost me fear. insurance money and that could cost that's, me that's, time away from my job fear. and that's not that fear. Could, no but you can't say that's not fear because i am afraid of having well that means you maybe it would fuck me up so i didn't have insurance. Right, right, so I right. insurance i would be afraid to have time away from my job i would be afraid to not be able to get home and be yeah, stuck i get it 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 starve or have to carve my hand off it. to get out i get of it i get it what i'm saying is that you're saying okay i would say okay i'm not gonna uh, I'm not going to do a high wire walk because I don't want to take the chance I'm going to die. And it's not because I'm afraid of dying necessarily. It could be, but it's more like, I don't want to die. You don't have to be a, because I want to live right now. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, die. No, it's I not, but that, that. Has, but that doesn't have anything to do with fear necessarily. For you, but again, and for me too. And that's why you and I agree on that. But for a lot of people, that translation <clears throat> is that clear because they haven't spent time becoming self-aware of themselves and differentiating for themselves where these things go, what categories they fit into. You and I both are not afraid of death in the traditional sense, but that has been something we have, you know, for you, I don't know, for me, I've earned that effectively through, you know, a lot of really intense, scary experiences and overcoming those things, again, facing that fear. And so to say that fear doesn't have a purpose nowadays is kind of questionable because fear is in fact the motivating force to continue to evolve, to continue to move on, to continue to try new things. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't agree For because you. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause, because I just, I don't think fear as a motivating factor is ever good because it's, I mean, fear implies a lack of trust in the universe or the world or whatever it implies that there's something I could do wrong. That's going to be bad. So, uh, you know, it's, well, a if you deem death as bad, then for a lot of people, there are a lot of things they could do wrong or getting hurt. Them. So or for them, know, that's a legitimate fear. Getting hurt. I mean, again, getting, that's, like but that's what saying. I'm saying though. It's like for the people that are listening again, it's like, you know, there are going to be a lot of people out there that don't believe in that fundamental term. They don't stand by that term. Right. That's not the way they interface with the world. So for them, they're like, there's plenty of fucking things out there that I'm afraid of, you right. know, yeah. because they might kill me and I don't want to fucking die. <laughs> yeah, but not wanting to die and being afraid to die are kind of two different things.
you know well like i being I afraid to get hurt it's like i'm not i don't not do things because i'm afraid of getting hurt i do do not do things i deem risky because i don't want to get hurt you know i don't want to sure. it's not worth taking the chance because i know it's a possibility it's not like i'm afraid of it that's but what i'm saying is that's rare that's a trait in you that is uncommon i think most people don't do things out of an actual genuine fear it's an anxiety around the idea well if i did this then this might happen to me and this might happen to me and it's a fear chain right i think that that is how most people interface i don't think most people interface out of like well i just don't want to because I don't want that to happen to me. I'd rather have this happen to me. I think that's an atypical trait. And I, it's honorable because I'm the same way. But you and I, I think, are atypical in that way. And that's why I'm exploring that realm. It's just so that right. for everyone listening, they can kind of see it from these angles. Say, well, this is how they think about it. But I wonder how I think about it. Because that's the whole point of all this, you know, is get people thinking about it for themselves. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's not to say I don't feel fear. I absolutely feel fear. It's just a matter of whether it serves you or not. Yeah, acting and that's on the it. Big question not, we're talking you know, about. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's it's acting on fear is is the, the the thing, you know, not acting on fear is the thing. Well, and, and then that's the problem though. Again, it's like cuz then people get all confused with well what is what's worth being afraid of and how much does this thing actually have an effect over my livelihood? Because then you get down to the death thing. So it's like a lot of people, they're like, well, you you might say, well, why are you afraid of, you know, these other people thinking this other way? Well, because if they think that way, then it might affect, you know, the way that everyone thinks and it's different than the way that I think. And then that might somewhere down the line kill me, you know? And again, it's like this long chain fear thought, but it's like, it can be legitimized in a closed mind, in a closed setting. And that's what we want. I think everyone needs is open discourse about these topics. Pull them out, shake the dust off and look at it. Think yeah. about it. It's different for everybody. Yeah, I think, I think, the, but the, uh, the way this kind of relates to, to the dark art society is in, or the dark art movement, I should say, is that, um, you know, dark art frequently and when it's done well, um, is confronting fear in a way, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and it is, you know, that may, I may have overstated it by saying it's an inoculation against fear. Like, boom, that's it. You don't have fear. It's more <laughs> like it was, you know, it's, it's these quotes, they sound good in short bites and you have to, you know, you got to give them this creative license or whatever, but it's more the, like the, homeopathy for fear. Cause homeopathy is you take a little bit of the poison, a little bit of the poison, a little right. bit of the poison, and then your body builds up an immunity so that then big doses of the poison won't fuck you up. So it's more like homeopathy for, you know, yeah, right. fear. But I, I think that it it does on some level, you know, and it would be great if, if once this movement becomes legitimized, if there was some kind of studies done on this, it would be so cool if someone did like scientific studies about this, about dark art, is somehow I think because the mind works so strongly with, or is affected so strongly by imagery and symbolism and symbols mm -hmm. that by just looking at a picture works on some sort of subconscious level. Like it's talking to some deeper part of you when you see I an agree. image of something. And so when you're able to look at something that is scary, and this is true for like horror movies and stuff too, it is on some level allowing you to live through a scary experience and come out the other end and not be afraid of it. And then yeah. if you, and if you're able to like us, although it's not like, whoa, that's weird. My phone was, my Siri was on and it was picking up all my strength. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's, I think it can well, I was, okay, what I was going to say was, I feel like it's been that way for me for so long. I can't, it's not like a conscious decision that I was like, okay, I'm going to confront my fear. So I'm going to start mm -hmm. looking at dark art and then, you know, and then it's going to make me a less fearful person. It's more like, I just feel like I was born this way or built this way. And so, and I just haven't shied away from having that kind of taste, you know, but mm -hmm. I often wonder if, and I'd be curious if people, anyone out there has had the experience to where they did approach it that way. Like, you know, I have phobias, I have fears, I have anxieties, <clears throat> and I kind of went to dark art 
as a way to sort of confront that on some sort of deep psychological level to see that if it if it can help me in some way and then i wonder sure. if, if it has because it seems like logically that would be the case i mean i know that's what happened to me as an adult looking back but i didn't know that's what was going on as a kid i mean what do you, I had like what do you mean well, I had these terrible nightmares and like was all messed up from these nightmares. And I would automatically draw scary stuff, which mm-hmm. was automatically my body and my mind and my spirit being like, OK, just let's channel it out, do something productive with mm-hmm. it. My parents were real supportive of that. But I immediately had an interest in, you know, haunted houses and horror movies. And that was and after that stuff happened? Was after, it specifically after, after all that? scary dreams. Huh. Yeah, it was like I got really like – and and I then I'd like have my parents rent something that I wanted to watch and that I wouldn't be able to watch the whole thing because I'd be too scared. But then I'd like eventually watch the whole thing. And I did. I mean, I effectively as an adult, when I look back, that's what I was doing was like right. I was so terrified by these experiences when I was sleeping and dreaming that like, OK, well, if I can offset that somehow again, not consciously, but unconsciously. Right. You know, by experiencing that and also seeing that other people do that and that there's like safe ways to do that. And there's not that much to really be afraid of if you can confront that in your waking mind. And so, yeah, that was I mean, that was exactly what was happening to me. I just wasn't by device or by design, you know. Right. Yeah. It's almost like hip hip post hypnotic suggestion in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, like the idea that if you let your guard down by a hypnotherapist, they can get you to, you know, experience some trauma you had and, and therefore process it. Yep. And, and I wonder if it, it does work in that way as art, you know, because when I, I first started thinking about this when I went into therapy for being all, you know, emotionally fucked up in the, in the 90s when I realized I was all fucked up. And my therapist said that she thought that um, me drawing monsters um and being fascinated with uh monsters and ghosts and stuff and drawing them was a form as a kid i was naturally doing as well of mastery like gaining a sense of mastery over something you felt like you have no control of sure you know so sure so it you know according to her and now that i think about it or the more i think about it the more true it is that by creating the monsters myself becoming the creator of the monsters I was in control of what they looked like and that and how how they moved and you know their personalities and so therefore on some deep subconscious level it was soothing to me and it made me feel less afraid of you know whatever was buried deep down there that I was afraid of facing sure. it was like a coping mechanism for the sure. trauma I experienced when I was a kid that makes a lot you of know? sense I'm just curious if you know it's something I, I, you know what I'm saying? How we came to it naturally as kids, and then I wonder if. But it'd be interesting to hear if somebody just like was like, "I'm going to try this yeah, out." Yeah, right. Exactly. See, like kind of like you did with the Joseph Campbell principle, where like, "I'm going to try this right. out." You know, <laughs> <laughs> or like someone do that with dark art. Like they're not from that at all, and they're like, "You know, I'm yeah, going to give not, this dark art thing a try right, and see if that not, does help me with my." You know, they're not naturally attracted to it necessarily, but they're like, "You know what? Well, I heard that this kind of can help you." confront your fears and blah 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 yeah i don't know i mean that's a good question i've i know that i have uh i've had some people that have listened to my podcast for my book emails from infinity and have told me that they can't listen to it before they go to bed because it gives them really bad nightmares really (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i mean that could be a form of therapy for someone who wants to you know right deal with it because it's like i i guess i mean if you know that i guess it makes sense i'm talking about scary stuff but it's like i think about it in a very different way because again i do the same thing that i that you do, but I do it with writing. So it's mm-hmm. like you paint out all this stuff. I wrote out all these nightmares. Mm-hmm. I mastered them, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. effectively, I wrote every little nuance of what happened and what I saw and how I smelled it and how I felt it. You know, and so by externalizing that, I'm able to then take it and make it into this thing that's outside of myself. And then somehow it's not scary anymore. Right. You know? And so it's interesting because, you know, but it still inspires for the right person listening to it nightmares because it is scary material well, but yeah me, it's not scary anymore right. that's it, i've dealt what i've done what i need to do with it that's what <laughs> i was gonna say is that it's interesting because i can't get scared anymore when it comes to anything like a horror movie it just i can't i cannot do it i can the only thing i can do is realize like oh that's good that's really yeah. creepy that's right. really scary 
but I can't have that haunted feeling. I can't be afraid of the dark anymore. Like I used to be when I was a kid, like I could walk yeah. around in the dark and I just don't, I can't get that fear every once in a while, every once in a while, I take that back. I'll get like, kind of like feeling like someone's look, looking over my shoulder if I'm in a dark room or something, but yeah. it's super rare. And so by being into horror and dark art and all, all of this sort of thing, it's, it's like, um, <clears throat> it got me to a point that, like I want it to scare me because it was so fun. Yeah, I know, scared. dude. I miss I miss it too. I feel the same way. Like it's and I've also done a lot of stuff to purposely do that. Like I remember when Joy and I lived in this little country farmhouse in Amboy, there was a place across the street, way out in the middle of nowhere, unincorporated village, and they had uh, firewood over there. And I'd have to, you know, go get the firewood. And I was like, I'm walking over there in the dark. I'm gonna because I was afraid. I was like, you know, I'm I'm scared. And I was like, what are you? What's there to be afraid right. of? That's stupid do it. So I made myself do it, you know? And then over, over years and time, I mean, even this warehouse next door, I just got to the point where I would just walk them back and forth in the dark all the time. Cause it's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. Once you've done it, there's nothing left, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I look for that too. I want, I want to watch a horror movie that leaves me feeling scared or haunted or something. Right. But, you know, I mean, there's always the jump start, but that's not a sense of that's haunting. Not really it's just scared. Like, yeah. You know, that's, that's like, but yeah, I can't get it either, man. And I, and I miss it. And it's funny that I would miss this thing and kind of long for it, but I worked like pretty hard to overcome it. Too. Right. So it's a funny thing, you know, but what you are left with something though, what you are left with, it's almost like you graduate past this point of, okay, these things don't scare me anymore, but what you're left with, or at least what I'm left with, and I'm sure it's the same way with you is a sense of um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, like, like an aesthetic sense or an, an, an aesthetic uh, kinship with those feelings. Mm -hmm. It's like, they don't scare you anymore, but you kind of love them now for yeah, yeah. the scary quality that they have, even though they're not scaring you, you're still like, appreciating them and really loving them. Like, I feel like when I watched hereditary, it was like that. It was like, you know, I didn't, wasn't afraid to go to bed that night. And, but it did, it did, you know, it was such an intense movie that I really did feel like kind of freaked out after a little bit like, Oh my God, that was intense. But it, I want to see it. it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yet. It's got some really great, great, creepy stuff in it. But during a lot of the creepy parts, it's like, instead of being like oh my god i'm scared it's like oh my god that's so scary i love it and, yeah yeah you know, and that's i bet you look just like i do like you're smiling like yeah exactly, you know, exactly. I, I, I always look at joy like well yeah we'll be watching some scary stuff exactly. and i look Big over at joy smile. and she's got this huge smile you know <laughs> yeah, and that's like, ooh, that's how i feel i'm like yes the cool stuff's happening right now and, and you it's know? and also i mean i don't know if this is re related but for me i feel like I'm rooting the creator of the project on. I'm rooting, like, I, I'm like, automatically, when I see something that I, I recognize as clever and new and interesting and really creepy and scary, I may, I like go right on, man, you did it. You know, I'm yeah. impressed. You know, I, I automatically respect the guy. It, it comes, it always goes to the creator of, of the work for some reason. Sure. Same with art, you know, it's like someone nails it. I'm like, yep, they fucking, they got my respect. They nailed it, yep. you know? Rather than like, ah, I want to look away. It's more like right on. <laughs> it's such totally. a weird thing. I really wish there were some kind of studies on it because it's so weird and interesting when you think about it. Well, it's like making, I mean, really it comes, comes down to that old archetype of like making friends with your demons or whatever, right. because you know, your tormentor, your virtual tormentor, whatever fears you have in your mind as a young person, as you evolve into a, you know, a, an adult those those things, if you tame them, they become these friends of yours right. instead of these things that are these, you know, tormenting you and haunting you and right. hurting you. And then you're like, you're fond of them and you want to celebrate them and like show them off. Like, check out the monster I got over here in the closet. Yeah, right. Look at its leash. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And it's like, but it's weird. It is weird because then you feel like, well, why would I like this thing that it was scary and I didn't like to begin with, you know? Right. And I think or something that it, almost everybody, you know, feels repelled to you know or yeah, repelled yeah. against why would you it, it is it's weird it is it's a strange thing but again i think that partly that's 
you know, what we're seeing in the world. And I know that you, that's partly why you wanted to bring up this episode was that, you know, there's so much fear going on in the world and people are behaving out of a fearful state. And the truth is, if you want to talk about fear, like we all generally think about it, fear is an emotional space. And if you are in an emotional space, you're definitely not in your prefrontal lobe cortex, thinking like a hominid, you're thinking like a mammal. And yeah, you're a mammal, but Thinking is not necessarily what mammals do. Mammals do feeling, and feeling they do great. That's why we love right. animals. That's why they're so much fun because they feel like nothing else. But they don't think like we do. Right. They're not, you know. And that's that's the main thing that's happening is is that if you keep people afraid, they're not thinking. They're just behaving out of an emotional space. Right, right. So they're ways you're to control. I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. Yep. And it's sad, but that we are those creatures. And so the more self awareness we can garner, the better we can keep ourselves in a thinking space as opposed to a reacting space because that's yeah. kind of what your revert your aversion to me what i i hear from you is that your your aversion is to the reactionary state that right, fear pr- right. produces exactly. and that's understandable because when you're reacting what are you doing re it's it's in response to it's right. not because you're being proactive you're doing something right. before or having thought about you know yeah 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 and, and you can i mean you can that's that's why one of the things that made me think about doing this was the just the it's so prevalent on social media anybody even if you're not thinking about fear and this sort of thing if you just look for two seconds on social media you see so much of it and i've seen people that you know people that i know are really smart i know are very smart people that are that will like consider crazy ridiculous ideas that just it, it's like it makes no sense that you're considering that this crazy conspiracy might be true when i know you're a smart person and it's right. like there's it's it's it, it, the only thing that makes sense to me is that it's like a desperate attempt to make sense of something in order to alleviate the fear mm-hmm. the fear the anxiety because when you you know the whole conspiracy thing it's like uh Alan, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know the magician, Watts. comic. No, not Alan Watts. More, more. Alan Moore. Alan Moore. I've got a quote of Alan. <laughs> Alan Moore saying that. And there's a good quote of uh, Terrence McKenna saying that. Basically, that you know some conspiracies obviously have been true, but you know they're kind of few and far between. And the truth of the matter is so much more scary than any conspiracy you can think of more scary than reptiles, reptilians taking over more scary than flat earth, flat earth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The fact that people believe in a flat earth, it's just like, but, but it's like, it's, it's, it's less scary to feel like, you know, something than to just have no clue about what's going on. Like basic, cause basic chaos of it. It's like too much to, yeah, yeah. I can't deal with the fact that I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's true or what's not true, which is really the truth. Nobody has really any control other than what they can immediately do themselves, you know, in their life. And nobody really knows everything that's going on behind the scenes and so believe, even the people behind the scenes don't know what's going exactly, on exactly that's scenes. yeah <laughs> that's kind of kind of the truth i think is the truth is that you know there is no big evil conspiracies other than the ones that are right in your face you know that are obvious <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of things that are happening but if they're not like secret conspiracies it's like right out in the open um but um but Knowing that the idea of knowing, you know, they someone would rather believe that there is a secret child pedophile ring that runs through the government than knowing that and that the sat- satanic sacrificing children at the high, high level elites are doing this. People would rather believe that than the truth, which is who knows. It could be worse than that. It yep. could be nothing at all. It could be, you just don't know and you'll never know. And that's the scariest things to not know. And that's when you, you know, that's when you come, you come back around to the whole trip thing where it's like, let go, 
Accept there's, that there are many things you will never right. know. Accept that there's more that you will never know than the things you already uh, know or in, ever will know in your life. <laughs> infinitely, infinitely yeah, if more. You just accept that. You actually become so much more open and, and really humble. I mean, it, it's humbling because it's like, then you're just like, okay, yeah, it's so much bigger than me. Uh, you know, I'll never understand it. I'm never, certainly never going to control it. So all yeah. I can do is just go along and do the best I can do. You yeah, know, yeah, and exactly. Not trip out over shit that is like so beyond my ability to ever confirm or deny. <laughs> like, come on. Right. And, and, it, and it, it takes a lot of energy. That's the thing that I, I always know, I know. wasting all this crucial energy. We only have so much people. It's vital shit. So it's like wasting it on being all wrapped up in something. You know, Jesus Christ, if I had an extra ounce of energy, I wouldn't be wasting it. I'd be de- devoting it into the things I'm already needing more energy on. Right, know? right. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I, that's the way I see it. It's like, do what you can. There's basic, simple things. Vote, you know, vote for what you think, what you believe in. Don't get all fucking hung up on whether, you, you know what I'm saying. I Buy what you support. Spend yeah, your money support. on the things you want to see more of. And that's pretty much all you can do and, and conduct yourself in a proper way. And, you know, people drip, feel like they, some people, you know, take that fear and, and sort of, can channel it in a, in a positive way, like especially politically. Like, okay, I, I'm afraid of this political party in power, so I'm going to start campaigning for this political party. Yeah, you know, that's a lobby like, it, right? yeah, or or you know, knock on doors or whatever, get people to register to vote or whatever. And it's like that's like a healthy way of channeling that, or make ad, make an adbusters channel on YouTube and make a bunch of adbusters for political stuff that you you know don't support and make humor out of it. Make a channel. Yeah, out yeah of there, it. there's you there's know, ways whatever. of there's ways of channeling that fear because the fear it's always going to be there. I think the feeling is always going to be there, but it's up to you to transmute. Is that the right word? Transmute that, that fear into something positive instead of allowing that fear to take you over and control you. Cause that's basically when you give in to fear and panic, then the ego's running you. You're not running. You're not in charge of the ego. It's like you start panicking. You start going down crazy rabbit holes that will ultimately get you nowhere. Be, you know, yeah. because spiritual alchemy, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, it's the, the esoteric kind. It's like trying to take your, you know, your, your spirit and turn it into gold, you know, right. Light, and, not lead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And not the, heavy. exactly. And the, you know, coming from a person that has a lot of, you know, faith that everything is ultimately okay beneath everything. It's really, I think, probably the most important thing you can do, first and foremost, is try and get a sense of connection with the infinite, whether that's Mm -hmm. like, you know, meditation or going out in nature. There's so many ways of doing that. But I think having that sense of connection with something greater than yourself really is kind of like, a, a great way to deal with the fact that you can't control anything. The world's going the way it's going to go. You can do, you know, a certain amount and that's about it, but the world's going to go the way the world's going to go and you're along for the ride. And, you know, if you can get to that point that, you know, it's like, I feel like for me, it's sort of a thing I need to try and maintain because, you know, you always doubt, you know, there's always oh. doubts, especially when things are going bad, you know, it's kind of like a test of your faith. Um, but you, you, I feel like as, as, as by meditation and doing these magic practices, the ultimate goal when you start reading about magic and chaos magic is, um, you know, it's not about getting a new car or money. You can do that, but the ultimate highest thing you could do when it comes to magic or any spiritual practice is to the spiritual alchemy, which is, getting that grounding, feeling the sense of God or whatever you want to call it. Because when you get to that point, and I've experienced experienced it for you know short periods of time fully, you know when you're there and, or if you're in a trip, like and you get that ego death thing, you get to a point and you know, you know it at the time. And I know you've had this where you know yeah. 
you undeniable. know, you know, undeniable that everything is fine and there's yep. nothing to be afraid of. And it's like the most, such a relief when you get there. It's like, ah, oh, there is, and you know it in your core and no, nothing, nobody can tell you any differently when you're in that state of mind and you know, and I, I know it's true. Well, and you can even remember it like after it's right. happened, you know, you, you can can't like, always like, feel uh, it, but you can no, kind but of you can be like, I remember memory, it yeah. like to feel that way it's mm -hmm. like a guidepost i know that feeling right. god damn it i get back to yeah feeling again. yeah yeah so it's like a, a thing to try to try and keep reaching when you need it but it's really you know when you can get to that place it's just like everything else in your life it makes everything so much easier yep. you know it really does well and then when things are going wrong you're like well it's supposed to be going wrong let me i'll just let it go wrong <laughs> and right, when things yeah. are going right yeah it's supposed to be going right i'm gonna you know let it go right i'm gonna i mean it's <laughs> Exactly. But you're not panicking. You're like going, oh. you know, I, okay, I can take these steps to try and avoid this. So I'll try that. If that doesn't work, then that's the best I can do. And, and there must be, you know, you kind of like, maybe there's a reason for this. Maybe it's I'll all know. good. Maybe I won't. With, yeah. yeah that's exactly. part of it. It feels like a lot of people get hung up on this. Well, I want to know what the reason is. Like you have to just be able to be like, well, maybe I will never know the reason. Right. Right. And then the thing is, the more you don't care, you end up getting to know the reason I've found too. Like yeah. the more you just kind of don't care whether you get to know the reason, the more often you get paid by getting to find right, out what the reason right. is in hindsight. You're like, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like a little yeah. bonus after the game's over, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, like I've said this before when it comes to magic and visualization and, attract power of attraction that it's kind of like when it comes to the universe and, and i hope this doesn't sound sexist because i'm just using traditional roles of men and women that so people know what i'm talking about but it's like the universe is sort of like a woman and you're like the being trying to or say like god just just for sake of argument don't mind the terminology god is more like a woman and then we as seekers spiritual seekers are more like a man and you know and traditionally the man will court the woman and not come on too strong and not be too desperate because generally you know women don't like a guy that's bothering them or desperately clinging on them and like hi i need you blah you know like coming after you it's like you have to play it sort of cool in order to a, a, a attract the woman, you know, <laughs> I know this is going to come across so bad, but you know what I'm saying? It's I like, totally know you have saying. to, you have to approach with confidence. You have to be confident in yourself and you, and you have to just kind of take it easy and not be too much pressure on God to make that connection. It's more like you go to God, but you're open and you're honest and you're real with that. Yeah. Like you send that, you send your, you send your text, to you send your text to God and that, but then you don't follow up on that text every five minutes. You right, let it rest until God yeah. sends the text back. And you're, <laughs> and you're, and you're, and you're open and you're not trying to manipulate the woman into thinking you're something you're not, you attract that. And I, this goes, I guess, for men and women, but you know what I'm saying? This whole tradition. Yeah, I follow. I understand. Family role thing. Um, you're, you're trying, you, you do it by being real with that person because you want the person to love you for who you are. You don't want to trick them into it. So it's the same way to approach God through spirituality, I, I think. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to get stuff that you don't want. And I agree with you. I think it's a great metaphor because it's like if you end up with a person that you misrepresented to, you're going to be disappointed because it's not, you know, really yeah. what you want to do a check. And they're going to want stuff from you you don't have to offer because you misrepresented yourself. And it's the same thing with the universe. I right. mean, you, like you said, you get the car and all that, but it might turn out in the end that you didn't really want the car. Right. Or and you just had yourself, or... <laughs> can, you know, so it's it's vastly important that you are clear with who you are and what you want. And part of coming to the universe in that vein is understanding who you are and being clear with yourself. Oh, because yeah, really that's... the universe is yourself. <laughs> Talking to yourself. Yeah. Recording <laughs> yourself. That that and that absolutely. And that's the that's the should be first and foremost on anybody following us, I believe, following a spiritual path or a magic path. And and you know, they they say the same thing too, at least what I've uh studied, is that you um first and foremost need to know yourself know thyself you know you need to peel away all the layers of ego and garbage and know who you really are before you can ask for something because yep. if you, if you're all fucked up you're going to be asking for stuff like you said that you don't necessarily need or things that might cause you problems but when you're clear and you know who you are and you know your place in the world 
and you're secure in that, then you can go, okay, I, I needed, you know, I could use a new car because I need to do this in six months and without right. a car, I'm not going to be able to do it or blah, blah, blah. So yeah. anyway. Exactly. I think that's a great, a great clarification and a great note to end the podcast on. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with fear, but I'm sure. No, that totally has to somehow. do with fear. All of that does because we're talking about both sides of it. You know, there's, there's basically the resistance and, and you know, or, or to do it better than that, there's the clinging and there's the letting go, you right. know, and there's a good balance between that, that one has to find. You have to know when you're clinging out of fear versus clinging out of determination. You have to know right. when you're letting go out of fear versus letting go out of, you know, acquiescing to the signs that are telling you to let the fuck go. Right, right. You know? So again, you got to know when to hold on and know when to let go. You got to know when to hold them and know when to hold them. <laughs> I knew you were going to say You got to know when to walk away. You got to know when to run. That's your theme song. Yeah. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. You know, these are just some important wise words from the master Kenny Rogers. I will not continue in song, I promise. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for talking today. Thank you, everybody, for great. listening. Thank you for supporting. Um, we love if you join us, you could be the next Dark Art Society member's name mentioned on the next episode if you join us. Because we true. have nobody to mention today. So be the next member. Oh, yeah. And uh, let me say this real quick. These are just ideas. Andrew Andrew Hawkins was told me about this idea. I didn't tell you about it. Let me say it real quick. Yeah, um, do it. He, had, he said there's so many of us in the Dark Art Society that are musicians that it might be cool to put out like compilation CDs. Oh, yeah. Everyone contribute a song that's like That'd kind be of great. dark. Dude, I love that. All kind of dark art stuff and do these compilations. I think that would be great. That sounds and, awesome. And I was thinking too, it might be cool to do some sort of thing that's like, uh, you know, write a, you know, two hundred words or less. Why you think you should be on the Dark Art Society show to be interviewed for like just that. the members yeah. or the fans, and then we could pick like what we think is maybe the most interesting one and have maybe we'd start having fan interviews on the show, you know, or member yeah, interviews yeah. on the show. Right. It's just a, just a couple of thoughts, but we're we're thinking always thinking of new things to do. Uh, we appreciate your input. If you have ideas on what we should do, it's it's always appreciated. Comments are always appreciated. I know that when I go and look at the SoundCloud page, I check it after you know after we post it a day or two after always just to see. You know, we don't get a lot of comments, but when we do, it's really great to know what you guys are thinking because you guys know what we're thinking because we're talking about it on the show, but we don't always know what you guys are thinking. So, right, so right. It, it's really helpful just for us to feel that sense of community and just know where your heads are at as well on things. So um, yeah. And if you can share and support the Patreon, you know, all the deal, whatever you can do. Um, what a, what a great wrap up, Chad. I'm impressed. You're like the fucking master podcast podcast host now. <laughs> Thank Big you. pimping, bro. Props. If it ain't easy, but it's sure is fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, I'm going to go be sick. All right, well, I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it won't be sick. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, guys. Take care, and ladies. We'll catch you guys and yes. ladies next week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, bye. <laughs>